I believe it's the single largest sort of one-time government grant, at least at a state level, to, to arts and culture on Cape Cod. Hi, I'm Jordan Syme from the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. This podcast has been underwritten by the following supporters. William Ravis, the official real estate office of the Arts Foundation. The Cape Cod Foundation, Mass Hire, the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod, the Melody Tent, and the John K. and Thurza F. Davenport Foundation. Welcome to season four of the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. It's so great to be back with all of you in season four. Uh, in this first podcast that we're releasing, we had a wonderful conversation with Senator Julian Sear. Senator Sear serves in the Massachusetts Senate representing Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, and Nantucket. First elected to the state Senate on November 8th, 2016, Julian now serving in his second term and is the youngest senator in the 40-member body. And he's a champion for the arts and culture here on Cape Cod and the islands. In this interview, we discuss the transformational funding he earmarked specifically for arts and culture and how the arts led to his career in politics. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the one and only Senator Sear as much as I did. So first of all, I want to thank you, Senator Sear, for being here at the Cultural Center on a cold January day uh, to talk about the arts with us. Good afternoon, or good to be with I should say, good to be with you, uh, Julie. <laughs> Glad it's not as cold as it was uh, earlier days. We picked a sunny day to do this. We did, finally, some sun. We all need some sun these days. So I invited you here today to mostly thank you in your office for advocating for the recent funding that the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod is receiving. We're receiving, we're earmarked for 400000 to go towards professional and personal development for our creative workers, including artists and arts leaders and arts educators. And so we're super excited to execute on this project. And it's absolutely life-changing for the organization and for the creative community itself. So I'd just like to thank you, first of all, for that. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, what was that, what was about the, what was it about our proposal that like stood out? So I mean, th- this is the the I, I believe it's a, it's a, the single largest sort of one time uh, government grant, uh, at least at a state level, um, to, to arts and culture on Cape Cod. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's several fold. I should say this is all made possible um, by the American Rescue Plan Act mm. uh, or ARPA, if you want to go by the uh, the acronym parlance that we <laughs> often use. Uh, to, we use too often in government. So the legislature appropriated. Uh, $3.5 billion, nearly $4 billion out of both American Rescue Act plan um, dollars and then also surplus, right? So the mm-hmm. um, we've been having quite a bit of revenues, uh, health, very healthy revenues in the legislature and in, in the in, in state government right now. Um, and so that package uh, included an opportunity to identify local priorities. And, and, and I've really kept an eye towards trying to figure out how do you help Cape Codders and Islanders who've been most adversely affected by this by, by the COVID-19 pandemic. And certainly, you know, when you look at those who who who've struggled most, I think a lot of that are people in our in our creative sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you if you're a musician, if you're a performer, you know, there were months on end where you couldn't do your work. Uh, right. and, and even if you're, you know, someone who's who's doing a more 
a staid medium, right, and a, a, a painter or someone who, who's an artist in that way, uh, very significant loss, loss of income, right. uh, and and really when when we when we think about what makes Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, and Nantucket, uh, what makes it a compelling place that people want to live here, but also people want to visit here. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's our natural beauty, and, and and we've got that in spades, but I think it's also um, the, the content of our communities, the, the creativity within our communities. And, and, you know, so much of what draws people here are the arts and, 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 and culture is a real vital part of our economy. So if we're looking at how do we invest, um, how do we use these once-in-a-generation resources to do the most good, making sure that we get dollars uh, not only to creative organizations and institutions, but mm-hmm. the people who are actually doing the work. Uh, that was that was an opportunity that that seemed too good to pass up. Mm, truly, it is, and um, you know, as I mentioned before, it's it will change the trajectory of the Arts Foundation and who we serve and how we serve. It's completely adding to the mission of the organization, and uh, so it's it's an exciting time. We know it's challenging times, but there's these little bits of light and hope that come through because of legislators like you that really like believe and trust in um, your local nonprofit organization. Well, and, and, and you folks, I think, really, you know, really stepped up as well in the pandemic. I mean, I really saw in the Outer Cape, you know, where I live, there, there was a real effort to create a, a, a an entity or, or mm-hmm. some way to to pool resources for artists in, in Provincetown, especially performers in Provincetown. We have so oh, yeah. many, um, you know, performers, and, and you worked with with good friends of mine, you yes. know, lots of people like Jonathan <laughs> Hawkins and, and, and others, yeah. um, you know, to, to create to create, you basically were the host entity to make that happen. And so I really saw, you know, the Arts Foundation um, not simply sort of sitting back and saying, you know, right, we're going to try to get some money out there and whatever, but really engaging directly with artists and creatives in trying to figure out how do we, you know, how do we navigate, you know, mm-hmm. these very these very rough seas that 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 the pandemic brought. Um, and, and we and we mm-hmm. saw that on the Outer Cape, and I'm sure y'all were doing that, you know, elsewhere in the region. And that that level mm-hmm. of direct engagement, I think, really responding to what artists and creatives and performers needed mm-hmm. uh, at the time uh, was something that certainly certainly I noticed and I think um, ha- has really helped us, mm-hmm. you know, ha- helped, ha- helped us sustain, you know, our, our arts community here. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, we're a region where, you know, in my neck of the woods, right, we have the, the oldest continuous artist colony uh, in the country. Um, but that's not just a fait accompli. It's not just a given. Right. And particularly given the demands of not only COVID-19, but particularly housing and what the mm-hmm. housing market has looked like in this pandemic and as we're sort of emerging to, to whatever we're emerging in now, right? Mm-hmm. A, an 18% increase in property prices in a year. That's you know, crazy. for Cape Codders and Islanders who are trying to make a life here, especially in my generation, right. um, you know, that's just so unsustainable. And especially for creative people. You know, I, I, I'm oh, someone right. who has a Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a nine to five job, but but certainly a <laughs> a, um, a a very sort of stable salary, right? In a way that yeah. a lot of artists and and writers and creatives can't count on. And so, if we don't invest not only in that sector but in those people, then we're not going to be able to sustain what makes this place special and mm-hmm. what draws people here. Absolutely, you know, with this grant and um, building on the brand of the Creative Exchange. We, we're also thinking about, you know, we obviously the artists of all mediums will be served, but we're also thinking about the creative workers. So there's a mass, you know, resignation with these creative workers, meaning people like me, like I don't make things, but I lead an arts organization. So I am considered a creative worker. 
And what we saw nationally is people just leaving these really important cultural entities that are within your communities. And so we hope that um, this funding will also wrap around, you know, staffing and building capacity and really helping, you know, places like where we're at today, the cultural center, to maintain and really grow and have succession plans for the next generation of running, you know, these really important cultural organizations. The other thing that we're thinking about, because of the impact of the funding, we think big picture. I have a board of directors that is kind of an international kind of reflects kind of an international um, perspective. So our big goal is to make Cape Cod an international destination for arts and culture. And so with this and kind of the experience of in that March of 2020, hair on fire leadership kind of like, let's stay relevant. We got to make sure the arts don't lose audiences and stay relevant. That That's what we've been thinking ever since, you know, that the arts have to be at the table. You know, you saw me at the COVID task force meetings and the, you know, I'm on the economic development committee for Barnesville County. And so to us, it's really important that the arts stay in the conversation. And as a result, uh, we're super lucky that we're be, we're going to be trusted with this funding, and we're excited to kind of well. And, and, and it. y'all were, were a member of that task force, mm-hmm. not 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 for some nice to have thing, right? Let, let, let's not mm-hmm. let's actually be honest about how absolutely essential arts and culture is. You know, yes, for our identity of place, but also yes for our economy here. And, and right. so, if we're not if we're not competitive in in, in what we're offering, if if we don't. You know, in a very competitive uh, tourism market, yeah, we're just we're gonna lose out, and and yes. so it, it's not it's not just like nice to have stuff, right? We didn't ask you to participate in the Cape Cod COVID nineteen response task force, you know, because we're just like trying to check a box here. It's really like, all right, how can can Julie and the Arts Foundation represent mm-hmm. the you know challenges and opportunities uh, that this sector is facing? Uh, face, fa- facing in, in this pandemic. And, and I think really looking for those opportunities, uh, that's been something that's been been important. Mm-hmm. And I think that the when when you look at economic development, mm-hmm. I think arts and culture really right, rightfully, you know, not only has to have a seat at the table, but it has to have a really strong voice, mm-hmm. particularly here, because this is, we're in the business of welcoming people and you got to have venues and opportunities and, 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 attractions to draw people here and mm-hmm. and no one does that better than than the arts and culture i mean maybe maybe the beaches but the beaches are uh, inanimate <laughs> objects um you know so right making memories right we all have these great memories of cape cod so speaking of creating a voice i'm going to switch gears a little bit sure <laughs> so speaking of giving a voice i know that you have been involved in choir and that You were involved at a young age in high school. I know that some advocacy work to get um, to maintain teachers and art teachers specifically to get them to remain um, in place at work. And this was years ago. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how and this was uh, your choir teacher. Um, So talk a little bit about how your choir program and your teacher had such an impact on you that you decided to step out of your comfort zone and organize a campaign to push for taxpayers to approve an override to fund these, to me, very important positions. Like what? Like you're a kid. So, so I actually got my start in politics 
um, because of the arts and specifically the arts and music program uh, in, in the Nosset schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I uh, didn't, don't come from a political family. My, my, my family are, are restaurant people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my parents are good, uh, good Democrats, but not not terribly, <laughs> uh, you know, politically engaged in that way. You know, and, and I was always someone who, when I was growing up and growing up in Toro, you know, had 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 was just sort of arts and music was a very big part of my sort of younger childhood and for for outer cape listeners folks will know of this um this summer camp called Rudell's and an early education program I went through, which is kind of uh, a storied institution run by R- Rudell Falkenberg and and the Toro schools had a very strong arts program and music program, and I was very, very engaged in that and became less engaged in all that actually when I went to middle school. This is the the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, middle schools were not the supportive environment, you know, hopefully they are today, especially for queer kids. It was a pretty, mm-hmm. Nosset Middle School was actually a pretty homophobic place at the time. Mm-hmm. And I certainly wasn't out at the time, but I was someone who was, you know, identified and, and, and told, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically <laughs> told I was gay, told I was queer. Uh, and so the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, be part of the art and theater program, um, you know, at the time, and especially the the performing side of it. So I was I was in the um, orchestra actually, uh, and 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 played in that in in middle school and through high school. Uh, but in my at the end of my sophomore year in high school, and I was a pretty bookish kid. I really kind of delved into delved into my studies. Um, but in the end of my sophomore year, I was. I was actually approached by the choir teacher, Allison Bevan, who, who folks in music on Cape Cod know. She's a, she's a legend. Uh, and Allison said, you know, you have a really resonant voice. You should, you should audition for the, for the honors chorus. You do. Um, and of yeah. course, you know, the, the competition for like the girls to get into the honors chorus was like so fierce, right? And then the boys, it was like, oh, great. Like you're a warm body. So I, I, I don't know if I would necessarily was a, 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 a fantastic singer, but I, I, I could read music and I could sing and, and yeah. I somehow get into this choir. My sister, for the record, also got into the choir as like the youngest person ever to be in the honors chorus because she actually is the true, the true vocal talent in the family. Uh, my <laughs> sister Marissa Sear. Um, and so I, um, I, I, I started, you know, uh, in, in in this chorus, and it really was a small group of, you know, I think there was like fifteen, sixteen of us. Yeah. And it was just a remarkably amazing environment where. I just really got to get to know a part of myself that I had, you know, really I think buried and 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 put somewhere else and suppressed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in middle school and and early in high school, and it just mm-hmm. it made all the difference in the world, and I think it really helped me um, deal with I think especially a, a depression, an undiagnosed depression I was really grappling with, and and it just kind of helped me have a community uh, and a space and a creativity where. I could get to know myself where I, I started coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and while this was all happening, this is in my, my junior year, so this is in 2003, uh, there's pretty significant budget cuts that happened at the federal level and the state level, and that trickled down to the school district. And the Nauset School District going into the budget cycle in 2003 has, a, a I believe it was a $1.8 million budget gap, meaning that if the voters in the four-member towns didn't pass Proposition 2.5 overrides, uh, to fund quality education, they're going to eliminate 40 teaching positions and staff, including Allison Bevan, including my <laughs> choir teacher. You know, I mean, this is like a classic, like, mm. <laughs> this sounds like one of those, like, gay choir movies, right? Um, so, <laughs> no, of I'm course... Loving, I had no idea it was connected to that, so this is really interesting. Yeah, so, 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 so of course, you know, I'm like, well, 
I don't want to lose this, you know, basically the class that I'm like running to get to, right? The, yeah. the class that's helping me, you know, just that's sort of the most important thing in my day. And so I teamed up with with a bunch, with maybe a handful of other students, a dozen, maybe two dozen of us. And we launched a campaign to convince the taxpayers in the four member towns, but especially in Orleans and Brewster, mm-hmm. um, to support the override. And we uh, we drafted a, a pamphlet that outlined all of the programs that all, all the programs that would have been lost if the voters wouldn't support the override. And, and we and we mailed it to every 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 box mailbox in in, in the towns. Uh, and we went and spoke in town meeting. We were a little shameless. We like performed. I think the honors course performed at the town meeting where they're going to vote for it. It was very shameless. And we and the override passed. And that's amazing. Um, it was really incredible, and yeah. I think it was the first. It was it was absolutely the first time in my life that I realized that I could step out into my community and that I could instigate and create change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was, you know, I also it kind of catapulted me to be someone who, you know, started taking on leadership roles. Right, mm-hmm. I, I then ended up, you know, being the student council president, and I got super tight with the principal, and you know, teachers would stop me in in the courtyard and be like, "Hey, you know, thank you." Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is what got me really hooked on public service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went off and I, I um, studied. I went to NYU and first I studied arts advocacy. And then I got into uh, health advocacy, uh, public health work and, and, yeah. and broader public policy and, and, you know, continued to really see myself as someone who wanted to work uh, first as, really as a staffer. Right. But working mm-hmm. in advocating for arts, advocating for health, advocating for, you know, issues of equity and justice and and. You know, then years later, right, years, years later, I sort of realized, I was like, hey, wait a minute, like, maybe, like, I want to run for office. But that wasn't yeah. so years later, right? That was right. like maybe 2014, 2015, where I was like, hey, maybe I, maybe I should do this thing. And then I got really lucky and, 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 um, the timing you know, was good. Was, was able to, <laughs> able to yeah. run for this position and, and, which I didn't expect, expect to win, right? A, a queer kid, a 30 year old queer kid from the smallest town on Cape Cod is not supposed to be the state senator. And, and got very fortunate and lucky in that that respect. But in many ways, hey, this whole journey, right, started yeah. because of a cultural program, because of a music program. Um, mm-hmm. and, and not only because of the program, but, like, the people who were a part of that, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. anything that I can do now that I'm in this, you know, influential position, right, mm-hmm. to support people, right, like Allison Bevan, mm-hmm. who's doing that work, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. Yes, for all the good economic development reasons and, and, and all that other sort of stuff, right? But also the human element to it, right? Yes. And that, I think that's the piece that people forget is there's that human element to the work that we all do. And I love the fact, and we have this in common with like, I'm wondering if you had, you know, I think, you know, my background is architecture. Um, I worked in housing. I worked with seniors. I worked with uh, youth. And then when I came to the Arts Foundation, I'm like, wow, I can combine it all. And so from your perspective, like when you talk about the arts and then you talk about healthcare, and you talk about housing, it's like it really is all related. And unfortunately, like the further we get into this, I don't know, do we call it pandemic or an endemic now? <laughs> there was a discussion of this yesterday on somewhere. But, um, but it's like it's amazing how a lot of these things overlap. Are you finding that in your work? Oh, I mean, certainly, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you know, you look at what's happening on on Cape Cod, and actually on, on the islands even more so, and especially in my neck of the woods in the Outer Cape, and you know, our real inability to address 
housing, which has been a crisis for like 20 years, right? I mean, I, I was, I remember, I, mean, I was that kid who read the papers in middle school, right? You know, <laughs> um, I didn't have any friends, but I read the paper, right? I came home, I was like, oh, the Cape Cotter's here. The you banner's here, let me read it. We were talking about housing yeah. as a crisis yeah. then. And that's, yeah. I'm, look, I'm young, but I'm not that young, right? I'm, that's 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Right. And, and, you know, now I think the pandemic's just revealed has just exposed vulnerabilities in so many areas to be real with all of us. real gaping case you know yeah. real, real, real a real gaping chasm a fissure yeah and so you know a, a housing crisis has now become a housing catastrophe mm-hmm. uh, you know this fragmented um, bizarre way that we have around providing health care um, you know notwithstanding like the heroic amazing tremendous work of our hospitals and healthcare workers and community health centers you know it's been really you know until the vaccine came along, this country had the worst outcomes of COVID-19 of any other country, right? Until we got this vaccine, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, when you think of the arts, mm. um, our sort of inability to recognize that uh, arts and culture, this isn't just nice to have stuff, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely essential mm-hmm. for how we make our lives, how we bring people here. And, you know, to, 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 to our humanity. Mm-hmm. And by the way, helping us navigate and grapple with what's a really difficult time. I spend a lot of time in my policy work now mm-hmm. working on mental health mm. and, and mental health legislation, right? But I think there's a – we've all been through it a lot. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that arts and culture are a real, a real, a real big part, I think, of how, how we can emerge from this pandemic mm-hmm. – um, how we emerge and, and, and how we um, move on and live our lives and, and, and figure that all out, you know, as we're doing it. But I yeah. think arts and culture are big, is a big piece of that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I agree. I feel like, you know, um, I remember having conversations in the COVID task force and hearing about the fragility of the current state of um, of kind of the ER and people coming in and that there weren't enough mental health uh, workers to help support this kind of unusual kind of force of the population coming in and needing these services. And I remember thinking, geez, you know, all these cultural organizations have all these things that could connect people, you know. So hopefully someday, um, and I and know. That, and that problem we were talking about is actually a lot worse even today uh, than it was, you know, a year ago. And yeah. look, I, I think people first and foremost need, need access to treatment, right? Absolutely. And, and need yeah. care and access to treatment. And you got a real problem with people not being able to access beds. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, you know, even more broadly around you know, how do we, we've got a generation of, of, of young people who've gone through a pretty, at a pretty formative, awkward, difficult, mm-hmm. at sometimes awkward part in your lives, right? That, totally. that you've been mm-hmm. really kept apart and there's real, you know, a, as we look to how do we re-socialize, especially among younger people, how do we, how do we begin to sort of chip away at the very vast um, anxiety and depression that we see among younger populations? You know, look, people need access to treatment. They need they need you know professional care, mm-hmm. um, but also I think the arts, arts and culture are also an important uh, a piece about how we 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 bring folks back together and and help help people heal. heal I think it's it's yeah. part of, it's part of the recipe. Yeah, that we need to support. I love that. Yeah, heal and reconnect and rebuild these like social communities again. You know, I have an eighth grader, and. I'm so lucky she's into the arts because she spends a lot of time kind of self-motivated with her own passions and doing her thing. But, um, you know, and I do think that, you know, if you think about kids in school and and how the arts play such a critical role, they did for you, they did for me as well. 
Um, and then not being able to really engage, you know, there is going to be some trauma later on. You know, my daughter said um, this morning at breakfast, I'm missing out on a lot, you know. <laughs> you know, typical 13, like, you know. I mean, she is, and, and it's also like, I want to be like, oh, middle school, geez, it's I'm, like rough. Yeah. But like, no, but, but I'm like, you're 13. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are missing, you're right, no. And, and, and she's got, and she's lucky to have, right, you know, um, mm-hmm. a mom who gets this stuff and is re- yeah. re- really engaged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think a lot of us have been missing out on a lot. And, and yes. as we, you know, hopefully as, as we get through this Omicron surge and then I uh-huh. think, you know, really sort of figure out a, a playbook around how we live with COVID-19 because I think, unfortunately, we, we don't have another option. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think arts and culture and, and, and creative endeavors are, are going to be a piece about how we just sort of, you know, build back our lives, right? But, mm-hmm. but, but if you have an industry, going back to, like, you know, why we're here today— mm-hmm. If you don't, if you have a sector that's been gutted, right? right. If you have a mass exodus of artists and writers and creatives and performers, um, you know who aren't here, mm-hmm. uh, you know that's not going to do us any good. No. Uh, and so that's why you know this this four hundred thousand dollar you know three year program that we're able to you know launch with the Creative Exchange. I mean, this mm-hmm. is just um, this is really meant to uh, be a real a real jolt, a real shot in the arm, mm-hmm. uh, you know for. Uh, for this vital sector and for the people who who do that work here, you know, on Cape Cod and, and across the region. We can't wait. We are like... <laughs> now comes the hard part, Julie, which is actually accepting the, like, procurement from the state, which is going to be, like, a total headache. And, like, you're going to call me, like, in a month or two and be like, you know, this really was a pain. This has been a pain in my neck. And I can't believe... No, <laughs> no, no. no, no. We it's going to do a lot of good. We will a lot do of good. whatever it takes. Um, we're excited. We've been starting the planning process. We have... Um, we're collaborating with um, the Provincetown Art Association Museum. We're collaborating with Mass Mocha. There's all types of different areas of um, what I would... To me, this is like all hands on deck. And you don't have to be an artist to participate in this. It is focused on creativity. It is focused on the artist and of all mediums. But we want full participation from the community, and we're super excited to do it. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just one other question. My sure. one last question for you. So when you're at the state house, mm-hmm. do you have an opportunity to show off like your choir skills? <sighs> Well, I mean, I guess public speaking is, you know, if, if you're actually going to speak. Do they know that you can sing? Um, I think some of them do. I have a few colleagues who can sing. I actually have a few kind of colleagues like who? who are pretty creative. Who and sings? Who sings? Who is a good for? Actually, my like colleague Dylan? Mark, Mark Pacheco. No, Dylan has a horror. Dylan has a horror. <laughs> Dylan would say this. Dylan has a horrible voice. I mean, for singing. Dylan has a beautiful voice. Yeah. But, like, Dylan yeah. is not a vocalist. I don't, Sarah Peake is also not a vocalist. Um, Tim Whalen can hum a tune. Tim Whalen's better, a little better. Um, no, Mark, my colleague, Senator Mark Pacheco can really sing. Really? Senator Tarr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, you know what I do think all the time? I've got a bill for this. Yeah. You know, so when I am in the state house, and especially these days, right? Because yeah. no one's in the state house. You know, you go into your office and then you're walking back. You, know, you, you walk through the corridors. There's, there's an elevator that takes you to, to the parking garage where you park your car. Um, which is always still the part that gets me every day. Like when I when I go to the state totally. house, I'm like, I have a parking spot. And there's like a garage that I get to use. Like, oh my God. Um, but... I'm walking through these corridors, and you look at what is represented in the art. And this, and the state house is chock full of art. Yes, mostly from like 1890 or like the turn of the cent, the, the turn of the 20th century. Yeah, but so much, almost all of that art is depicted, is you know a, a, of one thing, and mm. that's white, old, straight, 
dead men. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really think we've got to do a better job. I mean, this is the people's house. Right. And there's so much no. blank canvas in that yeah. in that building. No so I've got a bill, actually. It's, <gasps> it's called an act relative to... Um, Artistic representation of the people's house. And the idea is that we're going to, we should create um, an entity, a commission to first do an inventory of what we got. Yeah. And then a real inventory of, of, of where, where is that empty space? And, and how do you bring in, well, I think, yeah. or, or maybe be relocated or like retired into storage. But right. there's like, there's a ton of blank space. There's a ton of blank canvas. You know, I think of visiting, um, you know, the, the legislative capital in, in Mexico City, right? Which is chock full of these incredible murals, mostly by Diego Rivera, but but by a whole host of other artists. Yes, You yes. know, why can't we in Massachusetts have a mural uh, to the women's suffrage movement and to abolition, which really started, right, in Massachusetts in a lot of ways, um, or, 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 or to the LGBT equity movement and, and the marriage equality movement, right, again, started in Massachusetts. So I, I've got this, this pet project. Um, it's actually the Senate president cares about this, too. She did a project where... The Senate President's office is like this um, kind of ornate, uh, beautiful uh, room. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all these wood panels that have the portraits of prior Senate presidents, which, mm-hmm. again, are all, you know, old, white, dead, dead yeah. men. Um, <laughs> God bless them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she has this project where they've actually researched all these women in Massachusetts history and have, have put images of those women with accompanying descriptions in in, in the space there. And, and I think, you know, representation really can be in his power. Yeah. Uh, and so and so I, that, that that's a little pet project that I've got, you know, and I think a lot about when I'm, mm. particularly when I'm leaving the state house on a night and I look at just, you know, wh- who am I seeing represented? And I just see a lot of people, you know, who, who are not being represented mm-hmm. in the state house. And I think we can do better and, and um, I think a lot of my colleagues agree. So maybe we can. Uh, oh yeah. Maybe we'll have some work to do in the state house, uh, some painting and muraling and and whatever else in the uh, in the years ahead. I love that. I love that you shared that with us. And if there's anything that we can do from the Arts Foundation or myself, let me know. <laughs> I will. You've got your hands full, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be very busy for the yeah. next three years. But if there's anything that we can help with that, that is. Awesome, because, uh, you know, we want Cape Cod artists represented in the house as well. So um, that's impressive. I'm super excited to hear about that. Yeah, we're, we're trying to get um, Mercy Otis Warren, uh, who's a, 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 a real colonial heroine yeah. uh, from, from Barnstable. Uh, we're actually trying to get a bust of her in the state house, too. So we're, yeah. we're, we're working a number of angles. Doing I have heard digs. of this project. Yes. Interesting. Okay. We'll have to talk about that. Lots lots more to talk about. Lots more to talk about. Well, thank you. For, oh, it's such a for, pleasure. It is such a pleasure. And thank you for, you know, what not only you, but your team and, and, and the organization has been doing, um, you know, to help people, to help artists and creatives, you know, weather this difficult time. Uh, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing these dollars at work and, and what's mm-hmm. possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, this has been really fun. Thank you for having me. So fun. I love chatting with you. Likewise. Yeah. All right. Okay. Take care. We'll do it again soon. Soon. Okay. Bye. podcast is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. Hosted by Arts Foundation's Executive Director Julie Wake and produced and edited by Julian Loida at the Cultural Center, the series is an ode to the artistic process and its unique manifestation on Cape Cod and beyond. Thanks for listening. <laughs>